0: And welcome to episode sixty-three of No Crying in Baseball, the "There Is No Crying in Baseball" episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my
1: friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey, I'm fresh back from Boston, which was a very exciting thing to be doing. We got some pretty cool stuff in Boston. A little bit of Red Sox paraphernalia here and there, and some Green Monster beer. Can I just say I had a Green Monster beer earlier today and it was worth the drive. Wait, I didn't make the drive. So it was totally
0: worth you making the drive for that beer. So thanks for that.
1: Yeah, we brought some beer up with us. We brought some beer back with us. Everything went pretty well. And I'm ready to be back here talking about baseball.
0: Let's talk for a second about Penny Marshall and her effect on baseball. Mm -hmm. Penny Marshall passed away in the past couple weeks. Um, she left a huge mark on women in baseball. She was the director of a league of their own, which brought massive worldwide attention to the, the American Girls Professional Baseball League. And people didn't know about it before. And she made it popular. She shone a light on it that is still there. The women who played in this league are famous again. They are inspiring girls today playing baseball. And, you know, that movie gave us a lot of important
1: messages and a lot of important lines, including, there is no crying in baseball. So we are indebted to Penny Marshall, and we tip our hats at this time. I don't want to talk about what everybody's talking about this week, if that's okay with you.
0: What's everybody talking about? Everybody's
1: talking about two players that are being picked up, and I'm thinking that their names are going to get dropped somehow. But I want to talk about Trevor Williams of the Pittsburgh Pirates, who is out to dinner, I think, in New York, and he was mistaken for a certain Bryce Harper by the waiter. And so he <laughs> ended up saying that he was indeed signing with the Yankees, which made the waiter very happy and uh, scooped the piece a little bit. But it's, it's not true. So this is like the if someone asks
0: if you're a god or a goddess, you just say yes. Yeah. If someone says, are you Bryce Harper, you just say yes.
1: And I wonder if his dinner was comped. That would be a cool thing. They do they do have remarkably close physical stats, like they're the same height, their weights are within 10 pounds, they have the beard. I don't know about the hair flip, though. He he should have been, all right, prove it, take off your hat and see if you can flip that hair.
0: <laughs> this week on the show, we're going to talk about CeCe Sabathia, because we haven't done that for a while, but it's going to be kind of a good news, bad news, weird news story about CeCe. We're going to tell you about our boyfriends with the Rangers and with the Phillies. And in those stories, there's a lot of conversation about dads. And also, weirdly, I say a nice thing about Robinson Cano. Didn't see that coming. And we're going to close talking about the new agreement that Major League Baseball has with the Cuban Baseball Federation. If you remember last week's episode, we talked about the harrowing defection adventures of of, of Yuri and Lourdes Gurriel. This new agreement with Cuba is supposed to make that all better for everyone. We'll give you the details soon. Let's start with Cece Sabathia.
1: If you're new to the podcast, you might not be aware that I have shown very little love for CeCe over the years as a Red Sox fan in amazement of the fact that he's still actually standing on the mound, although more on that later. What's pissing me off mostly right now about him is we talked about him at the end of last season when he drilled Sugar Jesus. That is Jesus Sucre of the Rays. And it was one of those you know, fucking piss matches because he started it by drilling Someone from the Rays and then a Rays pitcher made the mistake of coming close to the head of a Yankees player. And so then, of course, everybody is behind CC to then again retribution. And I still don't understand this machismo thing is that if somebody throws at the head of one of your players, what you're supposed to do is then throw a almost 200, almost 100, 100 mile <laughs> per hour projectile at that other person. This is just fucking stupid. Math is hard everybody is cheering cc for doing it though because he stood up for his player but when he did that and he even said that's for you bitch as he was coming off the mound so he it was intentional he was two innings shy of a big bonus, $500,000 that he was going to get for a certain amun- amount of innings pitched over the season.
0: He was ejected, right? Was he ejected for this this beating? He was. He okay. was. And
1: that's how things happen. And at that time when we podcasted, I predicted that even though there were, I think, two games left in the season, that the Yankees would put him in as relief so that he could get his bonus. And I am admitting here publicly, I think for the first time that I was wrong, they did not put him back in, but this week they are still giving him the fucking bonus. And they're saying that they tried to handle this quietly. Cashman said that (laughs) that we were doing it very private and weren't looking to publicize. Well, somebody leaked it out, and I really don't understand why everybody is thinking that this is such a nice thing thing for the Yankees to be doing to support their pitcher who drilled somebody on purpose. It's
0: shady and it's under the table. We didn't want to publicize it. We wanted to keep it a secret because he
1: didn't actually earn the bonus as it turns out. But he's getting the money. He he's supposed to be suspended for the first 5 games of this upcoming season. He appealed it. I couldn't find anything on what's happening with that, but you know that my antenna are going to be out on that one.
0: They sure are. So Potty Mouth and I both regularly say we can't believe CeCe Sabathia has not just dropped dead because look at the guy. Well, guess what, folks? He almost did. This isn't actually funny. This is um, sort of a, a teachable moment right here. Uh, CC Sabathia and Jackie Bradley of, of the Red Sox were on their way to London to promote the upcoming Yankees-Red Sox game that's going to be held in London. A uh, day or two before they were supposed to go, Cece Sabathia started having like sort of reflux pain, kind of heartburn, but a little more serious than he's ever had before. He said, you know what? I'm going to get this checked out. This is the teachable moment, people. Don't let this stuff slide. Get it checked out. He went to the hospital. Turns out he had a blocked artery. He was, in fact, that close to dropping dead of a heart attack, as we've predicted for a long time now. He had angioplasty to clear the blocked artery. He's on limited workouts now and will have a stress test on January 8th to be cleared to go back to full workouts. They anticipate a full recovery. As you know, he has another one-year contract with the Yankees. They expect him in spring training to be back in fighting form, although his form has never looked like fighting form, but his arm sure has.
1: That's for sure. You know, the the most surprising thing to me, I was not surprised at all about the heart issue. I think I have said those words many a time. I was surprised that he said one of his signs, like you're saying, he picked up on these early signs, was while he was on his stationary bike that he was sweating more than usual. I'm shocked that he uses a stationary bike. Can you even fucking believe that? Well, more so a stationary bike
0: than a, than a than a regular
1: bike because that thing
0: would just tip right over. Yeah. But yeah, that that's kind of amazing. Yikes! Along the lines of people that we have um, tenuous relationships with, I learned that um, that Yasiel Puig was traded to the Reds because Potty Mouth sent me the following tweet, and I will quote it here: Text. Text. Yeah, I text. I should have tweeted it. You know, these kids today and their and crazy technology. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is. It was a text. It was just to me. And she said only this. Will they tolerate bat licking in Cincinnati? Because you're my Ohio expert. I knew immediately what had happened. And I believe I responded, they will look politely away and pretend they don't see it.
1: <laughs> we'll see how that goes. So
0: good luck, Puig. I hope it all turns out well for you in Cincinnati, the, the, the land of very nice, very white people. Uh, good luck. I don't know.
1: Boyfriends. Boyfriends. Let's talk about some other teams. So our our American League team this week is the Rangers, the Texas Rangers. And not only are we forced to say goodbye to our baseball boyfriends from last year, when we previously picked one guy from each team who was just somehow cool to us. So my last year's boyfriend from the Rangers was Adrian Beltre, utmost of cool, has retired. So I'm feeling very guilt-free in picking a new Rangers boyfriend I was a little crunched on time with the return from Boston and the podcast coming up, so I just started looking, and Beltre was gone, and and Jerks and Profar has just been traded to the A's, and that led me to Ronald Guzman, first baseman. Not incredibly shining from last year, but once I started reading about him, I realized that I had to take him because... He grew up a Red Sox fan. I thought you were going to say because he's tall and you really like the tall guys. Yeah, that that height thing. I can't quite pin it down. I think on his official MLB page, it says 6'4", but other writers said 6'5 and 6'6". This man is huge. His nickname is The Condor because he has a wingspan that's crazy. And he signed all the way back in 2011 with the Rangers. The boy is 24 years old now. Do the math. He was pretty young. He was in the minors for a while, which is a good thing at that age. And he he went through some tough times in 2014 while he was still, still in the minor league. And that was his sort of bottom out year. He was really spectacular in the early years. Had a rough 2014, he was a driver in a fatal car crash back in the Dominican Republic, where he's from. And that froze everything, because it was just a month after the Cardinals, Oscar Taveras, was killed in a car accident. They actually had the same manager who was freaking out, thinking... Let's hope this is not partying. And it wasn't. He was on his way back from the gym. He was still wearing his shorts and he was wearing flip-flops. They held him in jail for a while to, till they cleared everything. But what happened was he was cut off by a motorcycle. And that was the fatality, was the motorcycle. He was driving alone and he was not drunk. And it was just a horrible accident. Somehow he pulled his shit back together the following year and And was able to keep playing. And we know that after these traumatic experiences, that can't be easy. But he had a good year in the minors in 2015. He got sent to the Arizona League. He got an invite for spring training in 16. And in 17, he's still in the minors, but he got player of the year for the Rangers in the minor league. He was also in the Futures game, which is something I always like to look at since we saw one. So last year was his rookie year. He wasn't great on the hitting, especially before the All-Star break. But that defense, the man can do a full split. And if you have legs like that, man, that's halfway to second base from first. (laughs) Really impressive. And And I'll post definitely a video of one of those. The coolest thing is that his dad had never seen him play before until this this rookie year. So he never came up when he was in the minors because his dad has a fear of flying. And you know, the minor league teams are in East Overshoe, and he couldn't get a direct flight from the Dominican Republic anywhere, including when he started with the Rangers. There was no uh, direct flight from the DR to Arlington, Texas, which I guess is outside of Dallas-Fort Worth area. Didn't work. But when they went to play the Yankees, that's when dad comes up. So this is a kid who grew up a Red Sox fan because his father was a Red Sox fan. In the DR, this is very polarized between those who go for the Sox and the Yankees. Huge Not Yankees. like
0: here. No, no. no, oh,
1: no. No, not at all. Uh, but big Yankees contingency. So here his father's seeing him play for the first time in Yankee Stadium with Tanaka pitching. August of rookie year. The kid hits not one, not two, but three home runs for his dad in Yankee Stadium. Against Tanaka. Against Tanaka. And he said he was probably more nervous than his first day in the big leagues. Um, When asked later how he feels about playing against the Yankees, he said, I want to kill them every time I play them, to be honest. i I don't know how i feel about that level of yeah you know he'd do really well in boston we'll see (laughs) what happens with this kid in the future they ended up winning that game 12 to 7 and his father cried
0: oh i'm gonna cry too yeah
1: i think my dad would do the same thing oh sure i'm maybe my dad did i would i would i'm gonna tell my dad the story see what happens with that i think you just did tell your dad the story hey dad isn't that cool (laughs) and so and and not only that He is just good against the Yankees. So Red Sox, keep your eyes open. He is the first ranger with more than six home runs versus the Yankees in a season. And he's the first rookie overall with three home runs in the new Yankee Stadium. He is also the youngest since Mickey Mantle to hit three home runs in the Bronx. And he shares Mickey Mantle's birthday. So that's a little bit Poetic, and he is the only player ever to hit a home run in his first four games against the Yankees. Power to this guy! I just miss seeing him play off season because he was playing with the Gigantes de Cibao in the Dominican League. If the Dominican League does have playoffs, which would start around now because the league just ended, he would not be in it because they came in last place. Unfortunately. He gets two more baseball boyfriend points. Number one, humor. There was a foul ball recently. He went to chase it. The fan in the front was watching the ball, not his phone, which happened to be on that wall between... Where well, you're not allowed
0: to put your phones. We right, know this. We've right. been to the wall.
1: I And I actually screwed up on that. So this fan had put his phone down and Guzman picked up the phone to answer it. The fan turns back, sees <laughs> Guzman on his phone. Good moment. Extra points. And the last baseball boyfriend points, it's hard as a rookie to show out there with your charity efforts. But in September, he was one of two rangers who went to the local children's hospital to to deliver some Starlight Brave gowns, which I just found out about. This is something that MLB sponsors. The Starlight Brave gowns are hospital gowns for kids who have extended stays in the hospital, and they're cool. They're not those crappy gowns that slide off every which way and expose half your body, and they have really cool prints for the kids and stuff like that. So he went there, and he hung out with the kids, and he said a lot of good things, and I'm hopeful for his future in a lot of ways. He's my guy.
0: Very nice. Ronald Guzman, first base. I went with a right fielder who's still a prospect. His name is Scott Heineman. He's 26. And he was chosen in the uh, the 11th round of the 2015 draft out of Oregon by the Rangers. He's been in the Rangers system since then. He was scouted by an amateur scout called uh, named Gary McGraw, who did the Northwest. This is when he was playing for Oregon. Gary's wife um, was a a volleyball coach, had a very serious stroke and was in recovery. And so Gary, who had scouted Scott, was by his wife's side the whole time when the draft was starting, but was still advocating for him because he believed in him so much. So he has said, you know, baseball is my first love after my wife and after my kids. So he's by his wife's bedside, and he's sending these messages back to the Rangers organization while this draft is going on. And he says this, as you know, I love this kid. He's versatile, athletic, physical, tough. Get him. It will sort itself out. He signs. Get him. He loves us. Round is important. Money's not. True baseball rat. He is my gut baseball feel. That is an amazing quote. Right? I mean, so this right there is like, okay, I, I'm going to love this guy because the scout feels like this mm-hmm. about him. And that round, that pick, both Scott Heineman and the Rangers dedicated to the scout's wife, to Julie McGraw, you know, in her honor, because it was so important to her husband that this happened, which I thought was really sweet. And this kind of leads into the kind of guy Scott is and the kind of family that he has. I didn't see evidence yet of sort of like institutional charity giving, like supporting a hospital or a um, you know a specific disease cure or anything like that. His family seems to go to um, throw support to individuals who need help. And case in point, in 2016, Scott's dad Steve, who lives in California where they grew up. His brother, Tyler, who is currently a catcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. So that they've got two, two boys in the, in the major leagues. Um, his dad learned about this young boy in Kansas City with an inoperable brain tumor, right? And says, we're going to be Team Gabe. This, this kid's name was Gabe Marshall. We're going to be Team Gabe. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take him to a football game right? He's never been to see the Kansas City Chiefs play in his hometown. We're going to take him to a game. So they get in touch with the family, they make these arrangements. But it's not just any game. This is the game against the Titans. And the reason that's important is because when Scott was in school, so was the Titans quarterback. They were friends in school. They know each other. So they set up this great meet before the game. So this little kid got to meet this famous quarterback, go to his first football game and have all these things happen around him that was really pretty special. So Dad Steve is also pretty well connected. And one of the people he knows is J.J. Abrams, who we know from Avengers, who we know from Star Wars movies and all of this. Um, this this kid, um, Gabe, was a big superhero fan and a Star Wars fan. So Steve arranged for J.J. to make a video for him. You know, showing his support to him as he goes, he went through more treatment. This was years ago. Um, we uh, Gabe lost his battle last year, um, but in the meantime, that whole family was Team Gabe, and I like that about him. And I think, and it just seems like it's natural for the for that family. And I think that's going to carry on with this guy. So I'm all for that that level of boyfriendness. Yay, that is a good thing. So this past season, 2018, um, Scott Heinemann started the very first week of the season in Double A ball. And he hit 522. Holy shit! So they said, "Holy shit!
1: Yeah, let's bounce it. him to let's bounce him up sure. to to AAA
0: ball." So in AAA ball, he made the um, the minor league All Star game, and he stole a record four bases in one game, including home. Nice! So wow, that's kind that's of great. awesome. And he hit 306 for the year. He played all three outfield positions, so he's pretty versatile. Better at the corners than center field, but he's versatile, which comes in handy wherever you end up playing, right? The the Rangers named him their prospect of the year. He's on the 40-man roster. Everybody's hopeful that he's going to play. Um, he just finished up uh, playing winter ball in the Dominican Republic on the same team as Tommy Pham, who if you read baseball news, you'll see Tommy just made some news by um, slamming the Tampa Bay fans because remember he plays for Tampa Bay now. He does not appreciate their lack of um, support for the team and was
1: not afraid to be vocal about it. You know, I don't blame them because that stadium sucks. It just sucks. Like, it's not a fun time going there. So the the Tampa Bay fans have to rally around improving that stadium well, situation. Well, apparently
0: in the DR, there's a lot of support, and they had a lot of fun playing there for the nice. very short season they had. The last thing I'm going to tell you about Scott Heineman is he get te- gets teased by his teammates because he's always early. He is so early that he's off into the stadium before it's really technically open. And when his teammates arrive in the clubhouse, he's usually lounging on the sofa.
1: I can only imagine how that went over in the Dominican Republic. <laughs> yeah, he must <laughs> have been there hours before anybody. <laughs>
0: Else. <laughs> so I appreciate a lot of things about Scott Heinemann. I'm looking forward to seeing him play this year.
1: We're going over to the National League now with the Phillies. And my Phillies guy was almost on my roster last year. This is Jorge Alfaro, catcher, 25 years old from Colombia. I had some catcher woes in my National League last year with Yadier Molina's injury. But by the time I figured out oh, I should look for somebody else and let's see this guy or that guy, Yadier Molina got better miraculously, but he is the idol of Jorge Alfaro, who hopes to follow in his footsteps. Today is his dad's 52nd birthday. Yeah, 52. Ouch! It's his dad's Wait, birthday his, his today. Wait, it's his dad. So
0: mm-hmm. the fact that I'm
1: oh math yeah. oh I don't like math at all today.
0: Math sucks today.
1: But we can ha- say happy birthday, Mr. Alfaro. Uh, Jorge is known as El Oso, which is the bear of Cincelejo, which is the town that he's from in Colombia, Colombia does not produce a lot of MLB players. Matter of fact, there have been 21 total. There are six right now. So he really wants to be an inspiration for future players from Colombia, as is his brother. He is the first MLB player from his hometown of Cincelejo, and Cincelejo is part of the province, Provincia de Sucre. So they love him so much there that they're already planning the stadium. The mayor of Cinsalejo and the governor of Sucre have gotten together. They're starting on the plans. We'll see how that goes. He's 25. Yeah. They're that
0: sure of his success. Or he's already enough of a success that he gets a stadium.
1: There you go. You know, I'm wondering Damn. how the younger brother is going to feel about this. And we'll see who actually ends up being more successful in MLB. But he is from an athletic family. As you can imagine, the the sport was soccer not baseball. His dad was actually a professional soccer player, tried to get his kids to play soccer, but something drew them to baseball. And Jorge says something about maybe it's the complexity, that mind game part of it, that figuring it out. That's a, ahem, a little bit superior to soccer. but The strategery. I yeah. think strategery is the word you're looking for. There's, there's that. And and even his father said that they always had their baseball shorts shirts on under their soccer shirts. <laughs> so he eventually gave up and threw his full support behind them because his dad did not support his sporting dreams. So this was sort of him re- undoing his past a little bit. And getting behind his kids, it looks like it worked. He was not so successful after his professional soccer career. He ended up doing a moto taxi. I'm thinking that's a motorcycle taxi. I'm not quite sure how that works, but go figure. Everything from delivering water with his kids. So they had very humble jobs as they were growing up and playing baseball on the side. His brother, Johandro is currently a catcher also with the White Sox, and the two of them played on the World Baseball Classic team together from Columbia in 2017. He started all over the infield, and he had a really good arm, and folks told him, you know what, you have a better chance making it up there if you stick with the catcher with an arm like that. So he did, and it worked. He was actually drafted into the Rangers organization for the theme for today. And he went from the Rangers to the Phillies in 2015, still as a prospect, still in the minors. And he debuted on my dad's birthday. So I always look for those, like, little signs of this is the guy you're supposed to pick. Hey, can't go wrong there. 2016. And he got a hit. He he only had one at bat. He got a hit. He has some room for improvement. His number one stats are not the ones that you really want for a catcher. He had the number one in the National League for errors for a catcher and pass balls and stolen bases allowed. But he also nailed 21 guys and was number three for caught stealing. So I'm thinking it's gonna click in this year. Uh, He... Has been playing until today. And actually, maybe if I go turn on the uh, the Internet, <laughs> that thing, the, the internet computer, machine. that Internet machine, <laughs> the box, we can get there. I'm going to do that right after we stop recording and get my last chance to watch him play for this calendar year because he's playing with the Toros de Cincelejo, right? The Bulls with his brother. Uh, in the Colombian off-season. And again, I'm not so sure what happens if they have championships after today, but today is their last day of the actual season. He has a son. I don't know anything else about girlfriend, wife, small family thing, but he has a a few really sweet Instagram posts about his son, whose name is Aviel, and he calls him El Osito. Oh, that's very
0: sweet.
1: My Phillies guy?
0: Gene Segura, shortstop, 28 years old. That name may sound familiar to you because when last we spoke, we talked about this monster trade between the Mariners and the Phillies. That was for him. That was for all-star Gene Segura. So he had, with the Mariners in 2017, signed a five-year, $70 million contract with a no-trade clause.
1: And yet this year he was traded. And so I... The, yeah, my math isn't isn't great, but I can do that math. 2017, yeah. five years. That's, yeah. So I'm not quite sure
0: how if contract means what I think it means in baseball. But anyway, he's now with the Phillies. There's a lot of supposing out there, a lot of hmming and scratching of chins and foreheads, wondering what does this mean for, I'm going to say the names, Machado and Harper, oh, shit, because the Phillies it. are, of course, one of the teams that's kind of in play for that. So when... Segura came to the Phillies. Carlos Santana, who had played first for the Phillies, went away. That freed up first base. That means my former boyfriend, Reese Hoskins, can come back in from the cold in the outfield where he wasn't so good to play his natural position at first place in first base. What does that do? That opens up a spot in the outfield. Do you know an outfielder is a free agent?
1: Hmm. Trevor,
0: what's his name? Yeah, no, oh, right, no Bryce right, right. Harper. Bryce Harper. Um, Segura is a shortstop. And he's much better than Scott Kingery, who'd been playing shortstop. He's much better defensively. So he's kind of like booted Kingery out of there. But what does that mean for Machado? Because Machado wants to play shortstop. Oh, he can play third. He can play second. he So who knows? But those names are always going to come up in every single trade. If they trade for this guy, what does that mean for the Machado picture and the Harper picture? So as a Mariner this past year, he went to the All-Star game. Um, by winning the final vote portion of the all-star voting. And the Mariners had this huge Send Segura campaign. Um, all the guys on the team had Send Segura t-shirts that they would wear to away games when they were on the plane together. They had a big write-in thing around town, and it worked. He he beat out other boyfriend, Ben Intendi, um, <laughs> as the as the fan final vote to get to the all-star game. He's pals with my Mariners boyfriend of last year, D Gordon, many stories about how they're pals and, you know, they're always supporting each other. But if you remember back in the fall, we told the story about there being a huge brawl in the Mariner's locker room where they had asked the press to step outside so they could brawl in private. And then they brawled right through the door and sort of fell at the feet of the press. Guess who that was? That was Segura and his buddy, D Gordon. So I think, you know, friendship is a fleeting thing and it depends on the day. But other than that one fight, he's really supportive of his pals. He was signed as an international free agent from the Dominican Republic. Boy, there's a theme today. In 2007. Whoa. By the Angels. Baby. Yeah, very much so. And he debuted with the Angels in 2012. Later that year, he was traded to the Brewers, where he was a National League All Star. So he was on the National League All Star team in 2013 and the American League All Star team in 2018. So he's got some legs. That's cool. He went from the Brewers to the Diamondbacks and then the Mariners. And then this past fall was part of this monster trade to the Phillies. Um, while he was with the Brewers in 2014, he had a personal tragedy happen. He had a nine month old son in the Dominican Republic who suddenly died. And there's not a lot of information about what happens. Oh, he had some illness. There are no details around. But as you can imagine, as a father, he was absolutely wrecked. You know, he went back there for a while. um, And then he came back to play and almost quit because he was so bereft. Couldn't get it together. Huge slump. He was grieving. I can only imagine what that feels like, right? It was horrible. It's awful. Of all people, Robinson Cano, who is a fellow Dominican, Reached out to him. They were on different teams then, right? This was when Segura was still at the Brewers and Cano was with the Mariners. Cano reached out to him as you know, as, you know, as, as they have that that common home, and supported him. And they talked every single day. He talked, he talked Segura out of quitting. He gave him support. He was there for him.
1: So. Pretty awesome things for that, Robinson Cano. That makes me feel better about having Cano for my boyfriend last year before those drug issues. But there's other positive qualities about him.
0: Absolutely. I was, I was really very impressed by this because that takes a lot. And he, he didn't really know him before either, but he just took it upon himself to reach out and say, I'm going to try to help. Um, he's um, Gene Segura is now happily married to um, his, his wife, Kellen, And they have two sons, the second of whom was born just this past August. So he is a very, very happy dad. And because things have turned around so much for him personally and emotionally, he's also playing hugely great right now. So I think he's going to mean really good things for the Phillies. And I'm looking forward to watching him play. And because of the Phillies and they're close by Washington, we'll probably see our, our Phillies boyfriends play a lot. Nice, Looking forward to that. Quick little note about the Phillies. Um, Gabe Kapler, their manager, um had a home in Malibu, and if you've been following the horrible wildfires that were happening in California, his home burned to the ground in the Woolsey fire last month. And the Phillies, what he said was, don't worry about me. I'm fine. This is not, I mean, this is Unfortunate, but it's not a thing for me. But there are a lot of people out there who lost everything who need your help. And he rallied the Phillies fans to raise a boatload of money to the, for the California Community Foundation's Wildfire Relief Fund. So That's yay awesome. for you, Gabe. Um, also, there are some other baseball players doing similar things like Christian Yelich and others. So uh, it's nice to see our, our baseball pals raising money for things that really, really matter. The Cuba Agreement. We talked on our last episode about Baby Pina and his big brother um, uh, Yuri uh, Guriel, Yuli Guriel. Yep.
1: Wow. Well, that it's, it's very similar sounding. Yeah. 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 Okay.
0: It, it, alphabets are hard too. I thought just math, but no, alphabets are hard too. About the the traumatic, scary, daring, tear filled trip to defect from Cuba to the United States, and the the smugglers and the, all the the huge amounts of money they had to pay to do that. Well, for the past three years, Major League Baseball has been negotiating with the FCB, the Cuban Baseball Federation, to develop an agreement similar to what the MLB has with Japan and with other countries about how we can... um, how MLB can draft players that play in their national leagues. So they don't have to defect. So they don't have to defect and risk their lives mm-hmm. to play um, in the United States. So what they've come up with is they've divided the players into two levels, professionals, which means you're 25 or over in age, and you've been playing for your country's team um, league for six or more years. If you're in that category, you have to be released to sign with Major League Baseball at market rate. You're already there. You're, you're equal to other players who are already in the MLB as far as how much money you can negotiate. The amateurs, everybody else, younger than 25, playing for fewer than six years, you are subject to the international bonus pool restrictions, um, limited money. If you remember our conversations about Shohei Otani exactly. last year. You know, you when you when if you come over to the United States when you're young, you're going to be penalized financially for it. And part of that is... Um, you're incentivized to stay in your country and play longer for your country, which is you know, fair in one respect. And then there's the whole, yeah, but I'm worth a mil- millions more dollars if I go to the United States right now. In all those cases, a percentage of the salaries and signing, bo- uh, signing bonuses go back to the Cuban Baseball Federation. Just like the agreement with Japan, it goes back to the teams and, and, and with other countries. That's not unusual. One of the really important things is this means that the players can now return to Cuba because they're not defecting. They can return to Cuba in the off season. They can see their families. They can see their friends. They can play for the World Baseball Classic Cuban team if they want to, and this applies to the guys who from Cuba who are already in the major leagues too. So Yonder Alonso and you know for for one we we told you told his story last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Yasiel Puig, right? Yasiel Puig. These guys can all go back home and see their families again. So this is all very cool. If younger players don't want to wait, they want to defect. They don't want to you know wait till they're older and all this. There's also a disincentive for that too. You can still defect, you can still pay your smugglers, you can do this dangerous thing. You'll have to go through a waiting period of one to two years before you can be signed to Major League Baseball. So that's another way that baseball is saying, slow down, be safe. Don't make these crazy mistakes and these daring things and these risky decisions. There's a way to get you here that's going to be safer for you to do.
1: And we talked about last week with the Gorriel brothers that these smugglers are making millions of dollars. So this is singularly bad for those smugglers, which fuck them. That's a good thing. It's good for the players. They get more money. They get safety. They get it's, to go home. It, yeah, they get to go home. It's good for their families. It's good for Major League Baseball for getting more quality players. Who is it bad for? Well, the smugglers, but now we've got some political stuff uh, getting into it. So Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio are coming out loud against this, and I'm really wondering if this is going to ba- backfire against them politically because I think they're so used to their base being so anti-Castro that anything that they perceive as, as being uh, beneficial for the Cuban government is something that their base is going to be against. And they're saying that, We don't know that the Cuban baseball is separated from the government. Maybe some of this money is going to be propping up the regime and all that bullshit. And they're trying to call Trump in, who has an ear open to them, to cancel this agreement as being illegal because it's sponsoring the Cuban government, which is problematic on many levels because what I can see is that Cuban players and Cuban fans are very much in favor of this agreement. So I'm wondering how this is going to fall and if they're going to do any damage to it. I really hope not. One of the dangers is the thing
0: that made this possible is an agreement under the Obama administration. As we know, Mm -hmm. that might be the kiss of death for it right there. But it's also only it's a time limited agreement. It's a three year agreement. So they can test drive how this works. So hopefully the powers that be can just hold tight, see how this works for three years and and then reevaluate later. Next time, we're going to talk to you about some boyfriends from Arizona and from Minnesota. Warm and cold. Warm and cold. All of those things. What are you going to do this week?
1: Speaking of warm and cold, I'm going to, I can't believe I'm missing these winter leagues. It seems like they're all ending the Dominican Republic and Colombia and Venezuela. So I'm going to go in search of their playoffs. I'm hoping that I get to report on some sort of playoff game next time we talk. I'm going to be cross-training.
0: My wonderful kid got me a Cleveland Browns hoodie and tickets to tomorrow. We're actually recording on Saturday instead of Sunday. So the Sunday game, which will be over by the time you hear us, between the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. Go Browns! We are going to a football game and we're going to be cold and we're going to cheer for a I My last professional football game has been decades. It was when the Washington football team moved to their new stadium. Wow. Which they're trying to move out of to another new stadium now. It's been decades, so I'm hoping my cross training is a good time.
1: Yeah, if the Ravens win, they clinch their division so go Browns. That's right. We're yeah. rooting
0: for the we're rooting for the spoilers here. Mm-hmm. Yay, we're the bake show. And while you're killing time this week and cross training and watching some winter league baseball, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast. Tell your friends about it. Leave us a review. And until then say goodnight potty
1: mouth. Good night potty mouth.